I hate those things. Fuck those square-headed motherfuckers. It's August 3rd, 2022, and this is Rare Encounter, encounter number 108. With everything you don't want and everything you don't need, I'm Abel Kirby. And dodging dastardly drops, I'm Cold Acid. Those drops will get you, boy. Drop bears, cough drops. The next, the next while is going to be shitty. Hopefully, I won't lose power or internet <gasps> while we do the show. No. Well, but uh, uh, yeah, we got some, uh, we got some heavy storms coming across the area uh, this evening and overnight. What kind of uh, weather are you expecting? Is it hail? Is it uh? Is it thunder flooding? What What's the disaster of choice up there? Yeah, it looks like we're about to be thunderstruck. You have been thunderstruck! Yes, there you go. <laughs> the, uh, the weather out here has been great. It was very nice and temperate lately, and I'm waiting for that to change. It's almost, it's too calm. It's got to turn sometime, you know? And, oh boy, I'm looking at the radar. I see it's just missing me. Shooting high to hit me, but they're hitting you. Wow, you got a big storm coming. Oh, yeah. Ah, We are going to get spanked tonight. Well, speaking of bodily injury, I have a question to ask you. You mentioned something in in public, which is the only reason I'm asking. Is, uh, did you get a nail driven through the palm of your hand? Well, into it, not Ah, through, fortunately. So you got crucified. I knew it. I got, I got quarter stigmatized. Oh, okay. Stigmatized. Yes. Stigmatified. Yeah, and you're going to join the... Uh, what was that from? That was from uh, Quake, wasn't it? Or is, it, is this something else? What Stigmatified. I think... I don't know. Hmm. Where they cut off your arms and legs and uh, turn you into a zombie? It was the best no, scene that, in Quake 4, man. That has nothing to do with uh, the stigmata. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about then. <laughs> What's the stigmata? Oh, that's the uh, that's the piercings through the hands and feet that Jesus has. Oh, I see what you mean. I didn't know there was a special name for that. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, there's a vocabulary word. Uh, I've the, a religious vocabulary word. That's a uh, one that I've never heard before. Very interesting. And I did go to Sunday school briefly, and I didn't actually until they kicked you out for being uh, for being too satanic. Uh, yeah. It's maybe something like that. I don't know. Well, I heard you uh, pop something. What was yours? It is guava flavored, so I think you know what type of drink it is. I think Servo knows what kind of drink it is, uh, as he boasted just before the show, Haritos! Haritos! <laughs> oh boy. And I got. I love that sting. It's a great one, you know? And I think that leads us right into uh, Boostergrams. Um, I think yeah. there was one right before Servos, but he got the first mention because he called it. He called the Haritos. Um, but you want to take the rest of these since it is. Your yeah. Beat? So we'll start off the, the first, the first and biggest boost, which makes the booster our executive producer tonight was from Booberry with 7997 sats. And he says, Ooh, 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 and then, yes, the next boost was 33-33 sets from Servo, and he says, Haritos! Haritos! da 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 Thank then you, Servo. we got another... Yeah? 
Then we got 5,000 sats from uh, Miss Carolyn Blaney. And she says, just take my sats, please. Break a leg. Ow, my leg. It's broken. Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I would rather get, uh, get a nail in the hand than break a leg. Although breaking a leg has less risk of tetanus, which apparently, even if you've got the, even if you've got the vax for it, if you do develop it, there's a 10% chance of dying. Death by nail. I was looking into this earlier. Finally, our, our fourth and final pre-show boost came from none other than Cotton Gin, and he sent us 1620 sats with the message, Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma to you. Yo-Yo Ma. So, Cotton Gin, do you play the cello? The cello? Whatever it's called? I think he might play the yo-yo. Yeah, well, Yo-Yo Ma <laughs> is a cellist, if I'm not mistaken. He is. I've met him, actually, by the way. Cool. Um, he was performing in Boston at the same time that a group I was in uh, was performing in Boston. And uh, he actually came and, and um, wanted to meet us and gave a little speech about success and you know, a little motivational thing to the aspiring artists. <laughs> and so he was a, oh, he was nice a cool guy, you know, came and came yeah. and talked to the, uh, the young choir there, which, which I was a part of. So... The first, the first piece that I ever heard him perform, and I didn't, I have never met him, never seen him perform live, but it was also a piece that was in the soundtrack for the Hyoka anime. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he was in there. He wasn't, but he also did a really good performance of uh, Air on a G-String. Oh yeah, that's a classic one. That one was also in uh, End of Evangelion. Yes, way. also not done by Yo-Yo Ma. Also not done by Yo-Yo Ma. Hey, can we name all the other classical songs that weren't done by Yo-Yo Ma? From an <laughs> specifically, specifically from anime. Uh, man. Every time you say Hyoka, I always, I always misunderstand and think you're talking about Hyako. Every time you've mentioned it, and you've done it once or twice on the show. And uh, Hyako was the one with the orange school uniforms and the, the girls who play Airsoft. But it, w it wasn't the, the popular show about Airsoft. It was like five years or ten years before that. So was yeah, there was, another, there was another show about, uh, about Airsoft, C3Boo. C3Boo, yeah, that was... Uh, I never yeah, watched that it. Was, those, that was know. fun to watch. It was like, uh, what was it, Upat or something with the girls who were all guns? The gun girl game? No, C... It, yeah, that was something different. But yeah, that there was, was another show. It was there was a big trend at the time. They always had uh, the girls who were guns, the girls who were soda cans, the girls who were this and that and the other thing. It's like Mecha Masume, but with more boring things. I guess guns aren't aren't boring, but they would take anything, you know. Imagine imagine a show where where all the cute girls are different styles of bread. <laughs> Uh, like a I French think that bread, could be popular. A roll? Who's the croissant? Oh, the she croissant? would have to be like some sort of uh, half-French Ojo-sama type. This would be like a hairy croissant. Is that what she'd be? No, no, no. <laughs> the, the, the croissant girl would be like... <laughs> you know, with the, hand, with the hand beside the mouth and everything, too. And the, uh, and the like, the, the uh, drill curls. <laughs> okay. The drill curl. Man, that's a hairstyle. This is now that we're talking about anime hairstyles that don't exist in real life. The drill curls are really something special. There's been a couple of these out there. Uh, 
there's one in Fate Go, a girl, and we're talking about a hairstyle where the hair, like, uh, the locks by her ears are just drills. Like, they, they turn into spirals. They, they look like, um, like a vortex where they spiral downward into, they end in a point. And so they look like drill bits. And it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a very strange kind of thing. But every once in a while you see a character with that kind of uh, thing. Yeah, Katawa Shoujo, as you posted, had a character with that. Misha, Misha had a. Wow. Wow. Um, the other one I could think of was in Ladies versus Butlers. There was a character who had uh, the blonde haired girl with the big tits, and she had uh, drill hair. Oh man, that was a. Ladies versus Butlers always is a weird anime for me because. It was one year I was with my roommates and they had a bunch of friends over. They said, hey, we're watching. We're going to see what's on the new anime season. I was hyping this up. They said, oh, we're just let's just like get the first episode of everything. We'll all sit down and watch it together. And there was a couple things that were cool. Uh, there was Michiko Ahachin was there, which was the one that takes place in South America about the orphan. That was just a, still a really good um, show by Manglobe. And that was the hit of the night. But then some of the other stuff we picked up was like Ladies versus Butlers, which is a it's it's like an etchy comedy that's not very funny. It's just like everything's a fetish. And uh this was a very awkward thing to watch with my roommates and all their friends. Uh but uh it was fun though. I you can know, imagine. Making fucking fun of it as we went on. It's like what the fuck is this? But I digress. Uh, so we've got drills, we've got nails. What else can we fit in? Can we get staples into the uh, into the show today? No, no staples. No, okay. uh, let's avoid staples. Thanks. I mean, that was easy, but <laughs> I get the staple gun, man. Well, we got some we got some stories we can cover here. I got a couple, and some of the ones I have have clips. And uh, before I just jump into them, um, there's you one have I, a hell of a lot more than I do. I think we should lead with. Um, with a uh, R.I.P. Yeah. This is... Rest uh, in peace, Nichelle Nichols. Yep, Nichelle Nichols uh, has recently passed away and... Yep, July 31st. Yep. Um, of course, famous for playing Uhura on the Star Trek uh, original series. And uh, was always a always a great character on screen too every time she was on you know she was always engaged they they wrote her character really well and they and she she also played it very well so it's kind of two good things coming together and uh yeah rest in peace mm-hmm. michelle nichols she was uh she was an inspiration for uh for not just not just the first uh the first black woman in space but all women in space because mm. I, I mean back back in the day Back in the day, NASA was very much a men's club, and I mean, part of that's understandable, seeing that, uh, seeing that like three quarters of NASA was originally staffed by mad Nazi scientists. Yep, roll paperclip. The, um, you know, it's always sad to see someone like that go, um, and uh, makes me. And she wanna... was she was she was vivacious whenever whenever <laughs> she was making appearances. She loved going to conventions. Oh yeah, and making appearances at them. And the only thing that stopped her was uh, was when she ended up being diagnosed with dementia and started, uh, you know, just falling apart. Yep, that was kind of sad. Um, yeah, I, that, I... that's a horrible way to go. Dementia. Yep. Um, I did get to see her once, uh, at a convention, like you said, and, uh, it was, 
some years ago. So she was still there and, uh, and uh, gave, a, gave a little speech for everyone. And it was uh, just cool to see her up in front. Um, she was a much better presenter. It was the same convention that LeVar Burton was at. And she was much, much more uh, a better panel, better, better uh, presenter than he was, I think. Uh, so you got that. <laughs> well, she had more experience as well. Yep. Just, just because just because he was reading books to kids for uh, for years doesn't mean he's a great presenter or a talker on a panel. Did I ever go into his audiobook uh, scandal? I it was in my notes once. Lavar Burton had an audiobook scandal. Oh yeah, with the Reading Rainbow license. Oh, it, when I went I and- remember the not exactly a scandal, but uh, but very disappointing thing when. Reading Rainbow was going to become a mobile app. Yeah, they um, they had some licensed deal where they were going to let them. Okay, you got Reading Rainbow, and it's going to be basically audible for kids. You know, it's with with pictures in a service that, oddly enough, could be supplanted by all the podcasting 2.0 features. They have all the things you need in that namespace to to accomplish what this app did. Wink, wink, not uh, nudge, nudge. But the uh, they actually had to change the name of it because there was a lawsuit. I, I had it in my notes some time ago. I think it was too boring to talk about, but since it came up, ah. I figured I'd mention it. Um, I haven't been to a con in a while, man. Maybe someday, uh, someday soon, we should just go to one. Like you and I, we should just pick one and go to it. Uh, once okay. We can, once we can I'm travel. Going, <clears throat> I'm going to Gen Con next year with my brother and another friend. And that's a lot closer to you than Anime Expo. Yeah, that's Detroit? No, Indianapolis. Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, that's even closer. No, I, I've yeah. been, I've, I was driving through there a couple times this year. So, no, that's right next door, Doug. I'll be there. Yeah, sweet. Let me let me, let me know the dates. Should I bring a cosplay? Uh, it's If you want to, uh, there are definitely people who cosplay there. Uh, I have to come up with something it's, good. Uh, it's tabletop gaming primarily, though. I mean, Gen Con started off as the uh, Lake Geneva Games Convention that was uh, that was organized by people like Gary Gygax back in the uh, days preceding and uh, during the early ages of TSR. Well, this is something to look forward to. We'll get it on the calendar for next year. Um, yep. I had some stuff I wanted to talk about. Um, I think I want to start with the uh, the most disgusting story that I've seen, and this is the pink sauce story. Have, have you seen this shit? I, I put a picture of my notes. I, so I saw it in your notes, and I almost immediately gagged. This is... I didn't even need to read anything. I just needed to see that picture, and it was like... That was itself, like, almost vomit-inducing. So this is Chef P, that's P-I-I, is the creator of Pink Sauce, and she's some kind of TikToker on TikTok who came up with a a pink dipping sauce that, as far as anyone can tell, it is um, something along the lines of ranch dressing mixed with red Kool-Aid to make it pink. And it's just revolting. She made these videos of her like, oh, I'm eating, I'm dipping my chicken nuggies in this pink sauce. And people wanted to buy it. And she started a little business where they she would make pink sauce, I guess, in a in her bathtub or something, scoop it up at the bottles and mail it to people. The problem is it's perishable and it wasn't sealed right. And there's, you know, there's buku problems with this shit. 
Including... Okay, first of all, if you're making this shit in a bathtub, <laughs> right? Right there, you've just, you've just like, failed, uh, failed sanitation 101, right? And, and food safety, a lot of that involves, uh, sanitary environments for preparation. So, so, people asked her about this, and, and... There were some stories, I don't know if they're true or not, but people were saying, yeah, I got pink sauce. It didn't even come in a bottle. It came in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> like this Ziploc bag of pink goop you're supposed to dip your uh, your fries in. And uh, it's just the whole thing looks disgusting. It's If you can't, if you're not seeing the picture, I'll describe it to you. It looks like she's dipping a chicken strip in Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> Yeah, and that's what was grossing me the fuck out. So here's a little clip of her uh, response to people asking her if the pink sauce uh, was uh, followed FDA guidelines. What do you mean FDA approved? I don't sell medical products. The pink sauce is not a medical product. The pink sauce don't contribute to your health. I never said that. Did I? Of course Did it I? doesn't contribute to your health. <laughs> it, it seems to be like it, it contributes to the opposite of your health. She's. Uh, what does she think the F in FDA stands for? She has no idea what the FDA stands for. <laughs> and uh, the just, I just love the end of that clip where she's like, I didn't say that. When did I ever, what did she say? I didn't say that. Did I? You know, at the end of it, she's going, uh, let me play it one more time. Approve. Here we that. go. Did I? I never said that. Did I? Did I? She doesn't know if she said it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that was that was a rhetorical. I'm pretty sure that was the rhetorical. Did I? Rhetorical. No, or? she's not asking if she did or not. She's she's emphasizing her claim that she did not. Uh, I see. Well, there were problems with. Yeah, the I've used I've used that myself in uh, in conversation and arguments. Did I? Do you also use "cash me outside"? Do you ever use that in arguments? No, not yet. What about? But I'm looking forward to the day that I do. What about? Bye, How about that? Bye, Felicia. How about that one? <laughs> How about that? All right. So she, there's problems with this nutrition label. There's problems with the numbers on it. People were doing the math and they said, how come, you know, if you if you take the, the serving size and multiply it by the number of servings, it's like there should be like a gallon of this shit in every bottle and there's not. So what the fuck is going on? And uh, she posted a response to that. So let's listen to the, uh, the explanation for the nutrition label. The grams got mixed up with the serving size right so the grams got mixed up with the serving size there's 444 grams of pink sauce <laughs> inside of each container it's about 30 servings per container it was a mistake we fixed the <laughs> issue i think it was a mistake it's just you could just stop there we understand it's a mistake yeah. <laughs> this whole thing's a mistake there's nothing to see here Hey, I'm looking at the ingredients. It has distilled vinegar in it. <laughs> vinegar, yes. Vinegar. Uh, vinegar. It gives you extra vigor, I think, if you vinger. Maybe uh, you just got to be careful. You don't put your vinger somewhere it doesn't belong, if you know what I mean. Eh? May contain soy and eggs. So, cold acid, how much would you be willing to pay for this pig sauce? Um, I think... I would have to be paid to take any of this pink sauce. Never mind use it, 
just to have it in my vicinity, somebody would have to give me money. Let's find out how much it costs. I want to also say I appreciate y'all for supporting me, for spending $20, for $20. to help us to produce it because the ingredients are not cheap. Nope, the ingredients are not cheap. It's not what the fuck is this? Kickstarter? <laughs> it's not Hidden Valley Ranch in the in the red Kool-Aid. <laughs> it's not cheap. <laughs> oh my god. So anyway uh, Carol <laughs> Carolyn says something great in the chat. Twenty dollars for botulism. Twenty dollars for Yeah. So these things are unrefrigerated and they're perishable and they're not prepared in a way you know, you can store mayonnaise if you buy it in a store and it's on a shelf. Well first it has preservatives and shit inside it. Um but but even if it didn't, you can prepare canned and jarred foods in a way that they don't spoil, you know, in the same way as if they weren't um canned right. You know, this is the principle of canning. And she did do that, and so she is, like, mailing stuff that takes days. It's not coming refrigerated. It's spoiling. And apparently, people got sick from it and caught botulism. Imagine awesome. that. Imagine that. So, they have a... Uh, there was one follow-up video she had to all of this one. Uh, I think it was Twitter, actually. I think I said TikTok before, but I I think she was posting shit on Twitter. Um the uh this is after all the flack for like the idiotic videos where she's what the the fda this is not a medical device a medical thing you know so after she learned what the f and fda meant here's uh here's what the story changed to yes we are following fda standard however we are currently in Bullshit. lab testing yeah we are in lab testing in lab testing. Um, They're not done with lab testing. Currently. Yeah. <laughs> so once we go through lab testing, we will be able to pitch to stores to put the pink sauce in stores. <laughs> and we're so excited about that. So pink sauce coming to stores near you is what she thinks. Does she even know what standards means? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think someone, uh, I think someone told her that they need to get tested, or in, I don't know what the testing in, entails. But we've covered testing on this show before, and so we know sometimes testing is not particularly uh, exhaustive. For example, the FDA approved that rubber underwear we were we, we were talking about, where they it was <laughs> it was. Do you remember that cold? It was contraceptive rubber underwear. <laughs> that you apparently you wear and then you grind and then while you're grinding uh, nothing happens uh, is that's my that's my expectation anyway but the fda well, the, you know what just it was approved i think i think contraceptive and rubber underwear are just, yeah you know they <laughs> you redundant you know i mean i <laughs> rubber underwear on anyone is, is a contraceptive unto itself because who the fuck would have sex with somebody wearing rubber underwear think of the squeaking man think of the squeaking oh boy good job <laughs> we'll do one of these that doesn't improve anything <laughs> no but anyway the point was they didn't test if it if it um in any clinical way all they did was test that it didn't snap so they said, oh, when a person wears on, it doesn't tear. That's the only test that they did. And the FDA put a stamp on it. And then they touted, oh, it's FDA approved contraceptive. And it was just that it didn't like snap when you pulled it on your fat ass. It, it was um, so misleading, you know. 
FDA approved don't mean shit. Yeah. It, it could be they get approved for the color pink is, uh, you know, the coloring inside it is, uh, is uh, allowed as a food coloring. It doesn't mean anything about it. So there you go. But it gets you the sticker. It gets you the label FDA approved. It makes people think maybe there's something more to it. It's a total so sham. In the states, in the states, do do foodstuffs tend to come with an FDA approval sticker on them? They don't have to. No. Yeah, I didn't think so. It's definitely not required because you can serve food that doesn't have review by FDA. There's sometimes there's local requirements. Um, like the one that comes to mind is depending on what state you're in. Sometimes they have raw milk. Uh, regulations where they say you can sell raw milk, but you have to like take a jar of it uh, to a lab like once a month and make sure the cow's not sick. And which is still Man, a, we're not allowed to we're not even allowed to sell raw milk up here at all. Ah, that's fucked up. I used to drink that shit, man. That's good stuff. I, the problem with raw milk though is if you get it in one of those milk jars and you leave it in the fridge, if you don't drink it really fast and you don't keep it stirred up. It kind of, it separates and it gets a crusty crust on it. It's not a good thing. Yeah, look. gross. But if you get over that, uh, it is uh, very good. Mm. It's the kind, you know, if you get buttermilk, you know, it doesn't even have the butter, uh, the fat taken out yet. You, if you want to make butter, you literally put it in a jar and then you shake the jar and you keep shaking it for a while and then the butter forms inside it. That's it. That's the only thing it takes to make butter is you put the milk in the jar and then you shake it and you get a little lump or, of butter. Or if you're making a lot of it. You pour you pour it in a big wooden equivalent of a uh, of a test tube, and then you and then you like repeatedly whack it with a plunger. Yeah, you go and uh, you grab that and kind of hump the stick. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, good old Amish style butter making. <laughs> Amish style butter making, baby. Hey, baby, I make Amish butter. You know what that means, baby? <laughs> it's raw. It's raw. <laughs> God, what are we doing? <laughs> the usual. <laughs> the usual. Okay, there's the usual. All right, so there's your pink sauce uh, revolting story of the day. Uh, there's probably, there'd be a picture in the show notes so you could see this, but it looks like a ketchup bottle with just just gross pink stuff. With The little flakes of flavor really look like spots of mold to me, which just turns my stomach every time I see it. So flakes of oh god, I didn't even notice those at first. They're like little blue. Oh flakes. god, you're ruining even more for me now. Pink sauce now with colonies. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear oh, god. So what do you have, Cole? I got more shit, but I will uh, hit me with one of your things if you have it. All right. Yeah. So I do have something. We know about we know about like the the magnetic field of the planet reversing, right? Because uh, that's been that's been something that goes around in like alt science and conspiracy circles all the time. That mm -hmm. the poles are gonna flip and everybody's going to die, or like the dinosaurs are gonna come back and governments are gonna get smashed. How about this? How about the time when the Earth's magnetic field almost completely collapsed? Interesting. When, yeah. What time was this? Was this about five hundred fifty million years ago? <laughs> oh, I should have guessed. And you know what? You know what caused it to start back up? The um, formation of the inner core, apparently. I see. In, in yeah. this is the inner core had chosen a a uh, direction to rotate. No, more more like originally the Earth's core was completely molten. Okay, but uh, 
but eventually it got to something happened that caused the that caused the magnetic field to collapse pretty much but then but then they uh it started regenerating itself and what uh what the scientists figure happened is that the is that the inner core the formation of the inner core in the in the middle of the planet is what caused the magnetic field to regenerate and that if it wasn't for that, then Earth would just be a larger Mars. No surface water and, like, everything just, like, blasted by solar wind. Hmm. Well, maybe it was the uh, that planet that bla- crashed into the Earth and uh, formed the moon. Yes, but that was four and a half billion years ago. That oh, was okay. what... Yeah. <laughs> Too long ago. Too long ago. So what the what the what these researchers did was they were they were using they were using like materials uh, magnetic materials from around that time to deter- to determine that the magnetic field did go down to about a tenth of what it normally is and then regenerated and and started using and started using these magnetic markers to determine that that was around the time that the inner core uh, started started to form, started solidifying in the center of the liquid outer core. So let me um, give a tiny bit of background. I know a little bit about this. It's been something I really want to learn more about. But here's what I, I know about these measurements is, here's the concept, is that as different layers of the, uh, of you know, soil and everything are built up and they form these strata that are related to, depending on how fast these deposits happen, um, some of the dating methods we have depend on basically just how far down uh, we find something in the ground. Um, One of the things that happens is if there's ferrous material being deposited, whether it's in rock or silt or sand or or whatever, um, at the time when when it's deposited, the local magnetic field causes the magnetic dipoles in the material to to align. So they get aligned with the local magnetic field. And so what you find out is as you dig further and further down, and and there's a belief that the the different layers are related in a in a really solid way um, against the time that they uh, that they were deposited. Um, then what you can do is just examine the magnetic direction of these little magnetic dipoles because, you know, when it was deposited, they kind of got set one way and they're still there to that day. And so if you keep going down to different layers, what people have found is that, oh, well, you know, if we go down so many, let's say, years worth of of distance down, then we find out that the magnetic dipoles that were deposited, you know, if we made a measurement of that material, we find out they're lined up with the current north-south poles of the Earth. But if we keep going down... Sometimes they get weaker and eventually they, it doesn't seem like the, you know, there's ferrous material in here, but it's not really aligned in the way you'd expect. And then if you keep going deeper, you find out it's aligned in the opposite direction where north is south and south is north. And if you keep going down even more, you find out it kind of goes back and forth. And so this is the primary evidence um, that's available. And, you know, there's some... Even more than that, though, it's not just direction, but they can, they can determine intensity of the magnetic field yeah. at the time those minerals were forming as well. Yeah. So, st- and that's and that's what they that's what they were doing here 
is they were taking they were taking minerals that had that had risen to the surface from the mantle and used uh and used uh like well it says here a CO2 laser and a squid magnetometer to analyze the feldspars and study and study the and study the direction and intensity of the magnetic field from when those feldspars were formed. Hmm. Interesting. Ma- um, magnetometer, I think, is the the proper term. I've I, yeah, <laughs> magnetometer. The but either way, super con- squid superconducting quantum interference device. I'm sure you've heard of those before. <laughs> no, I haven't actually. Uh, I've heard of some magnetic uh, imaging techniques and magnetic detection techniques, but I don't know what that one is. I'm going to have to do some research. I actually, I have a guy, I don't know if you know this, but I have a guy I can ask about that one and get a, get a really good answer on it. Uh, so I'll see what he has to say about it. I'll, I'll report back next week. Um, yeah, this has always been fascinating. The, the mapping of the current magnetic field is difficult enough. Um, Besides having to be everywhere on the surface, you know, to get a bunch of samples and find out, you know, which direction is the magnetic field pointing at each point. Um, so you can draw the magnetic field line at the surface of the Earth. That You kind of want to know what it is at altitude, too. And that's much harder. So there's all kinds of different projects where you have to, oh, well, we're going to have a plane that flies around with magnetometers inside it. And maybe we'll get it. We can fly a grid and kind of find out what's going on. When you get into the upper atmosphere, they don't have a good way to uh, to do that because, like, if you go to the ionosphere, it's one of these places where it's, you know, it's too high to have a plane or a balloon. You can't fly that high. It's too low to have a satellite where you can put a magnetometer on. So there's, like, a dead zone. And the only way to get up there is sounding rockets. And so, like, when I was in Maryland, they had Wallops Island would send these things up and disperse... Um, it would spit out like tracer material that was uh, I can't remember what the chemical was, but it was it would align with the uh, the magnetic field as it you know so the rocket would go up and then when it hit a certain altitude it would start spitting out these these different chemicals and leave a big trail and uh, the the chemical was magnetic and it would align with the Earth's magnetic field and then they would they must have used a radar or something to measure it from the ground and. Uh, through this process, they could send up a couple of these rockets and find out what the properties of the magnetic, you know, strength and direction and that kind of shit were, um, yeah. even in inaccessible places in the atmosphere. But, you know, just doing that today, the point is doing it today is really hard. And then, and building a good uh, geomagnetic model, but then going back in time and trying to do the same thing. Uh, you know, you can try and dig a hole everywhere in the world and see what the magnetic field looks like, but you might not find ferrous deposits there. So you're kind of stuck to, you can only look at a couple places and, uh, hopefully you can get good date information from where you dug. It might be that you dig a hole and you find some magnetic material that looks kind of weird, but you don't really, you can't date it, you know? So it's a, it's another bonus challenge. Here's something else to note as well from, from the article is that, Originally, there wasn't any sort of, like, uh, barriers, not the right word, but, but like a, but like an actual, like, physically determinable boundary between the inner and outer cores until about a hundred million years after the inner core started forming. Interphase might be the right word. I'm just guessing. 
the ar- the article says says boundary boundary and but I mean if you think about it there must have always been some sort of not not exactly a boundary but a point where you go from like liquid core material to solid core material but without it being like something defined yeah this is a thresholding problem where does one where does one part of the core end and the other begin depends on how you define it right yeah and considering that the inner core continues to slowly grow as material in the outer core uh solidifies and drops into the inner core mm-hmm. right so it it's an on it's an ongoing thing although they do say that there are there are liquid spots inside the inner core as well oh little melty parts not in this but but other research has has stated that there has to be liquid pockets within the inner core based on based on tectonic studies yeah the little little it's like a little ice cream scoop man it's a it's a big scoop of hagen down there mm, <laughs> rocky hagen i'm more of a fan of rum raisin can we get rum raisin <laughs> oh man imagine how imagine what the uh what the earth's magnetic field would be like if the core was rum raisin ice cream <laughs> instead of molten metal hey cold acid what do you think the uh, earth's magnetic field would be like if the earth had diarrhea <laughs> i don't even want to imagine but i'm I, i'm pretty sure it'd be pretty shitty it would it would and of course around here on rare encounter diarrhea is a running joke so it's okay the uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's terrible let me take you to kmart cold acid um Nobody's ever taken me to Kmart like that before. Oh, well, you know, I care about you. Maybe in ways they don't. Uh, There is a store called Kmart, which was uh, a chain store in the U.S. for a very long time. And then they went. Yeah, we used to have them here in Canada as well into the 80s. And then Kmart left Canada and most of their stores became Zellers. Mm hmm. They had uh, someone apparently really loved Kmart, and they put together a VR simulation of uh, Kmart for uh, for people's pleasure. And it's like a fully rigged up model of the store with, uh, you know, merchandise and everything. It was actually done for VR chat. I should be specific about that. And so like ah, the, the home of Ugandan Knuckles. <laughs> yes. The, the do you know the way that guy. Yeah. So you can go in. It has like sliding doors that open and close. They've got merchandise on the shelves. The merchandise is all like the era when Kmart went out of business in the U.S. was kind of like when Halo 3 was coming out. And that's what they have is they have like the Mountain Dew Halo 3 edition kind of crap on the the (laughs) walls. So everything's period uh, specific to like the end of Kmart. And the most accurate part of this uh kmart simulation is that when you are in vr chat and you go into kmart the store is empty <laughs> no one else is there oh, oh! <laughs> but yeah you can uh, there's a video where there, there's a guy picking out the mountain dew and he's ironically this is the weirdest part he starts like self-checking himself out um you know like with a self-checkout and i don't I never saw a Kmart that had anything. I feel like the self-checkouts were way after Kmart died. But, uh... Because I've been to Kmart's before, man. And I don't remember that shit until later on. I know about yeah. Kmart. I know about all the Kmart's. There we go. Yeah. There was there was no such thing as self-checkout when Kmart left Canada. 
in New England, there's a, a store that went out of business called Ames, and it was kind of famous. Uh, it was one of the things people talk about. Oh, yeah, Ames went out of business. There's also Building 19, which I must have spoken about before. It was a little favorite of mine. Uh, but uh, are there any stores that just completely went out of business in Canada, like big chains that died uh, that you remember? Uh, there were definitely, yeah, Eaton's. Eaton's? What's an Eaton's? Eaton's was this huge department store up here, and probably probably the biggest competitor to Hudson Bay for department stores back in the day. Okay. And like Sears, they started off as a catalog business. So you'd get the Eaton's catalog, and you'd and you'd write out the order form and put together put together your money and when the train came into town you'd make sure that it would go out with the train and 3 <laughs> months later you'd get all your furniture and clothes and everything when the train returned i see because that's how you did shopping in in like far distant parts of the country back in uh, back in the early days i need a barrel and nails i need a uh, five shovels and three pairs of boots Eaton's is gonna get it to me. Is that what you're saying? No, something, something like, something like that. You'd more likely get from, get from like a uh, trading post. Okay. What about chewing tobacco? You'd still, you'd still have those, but for like your house, your household goods, like your dresser and bed and various items of clothing that you wouldn't be making yourself, right? Mm. Interesting. Eaton's, huh? Yeah. And what happened to, why did Eaton's uh, disappear? Uh, they went out of business because people were not shopping there much anymore. Mm. And they ended up, uh, the assets for it ended up being taken over by Sears, who uh, several years later themselves went out of business. Yep. And they took craftsmen with them, unfortunately. At least the real craftsman. There's a fake craftsman out there. You know, the logo's still there, but I'll tell you what. You buy a set of ignition wrenches from craftsmen, they ain't the same as they were 10 years ago. They're like stamped cheap Chinese steel. They used to be really oh, good. Oh, for that stuff, for that stuff, real Canadians never, never went for craftsmen anyway. We'd get all our stuff at Canadian Tire. <laughs> Canadian Tire, and, of course. And their brand. What's the, uh, so you could buy wrenches at Canadian Tire? Of course, auto repair shit. Oh, interesting. I've All never, the, I've never. I mean, to a Canadian, Canadian Tire, Tire, right? Just from the name alone, you know that they're gonna have like. All the auto shit. Well, I my understanding was the name Canadian Tire was kind of a was kind of a decoy, and the real thing was just basically a Canadian Walmart. Oh no, maybe these days, but uh, originally at least. And still, in some and in the more rural locations, it's uh, very much like your uh, automobile stuff, your, your industrial and housewares stuff. So, like, you're not gonna you're not gonna go there to to buy furniture or anything. But if you need if you need a vacuum, or you need a you need a stove, you might find those in like right. a rural. Uh, and like a rural Canadian tire, but mostly you're going to be finding the auto stuff. You're going to be finding uh, tools and screws and nails. Interesting. Until Home until Home Depot came into Canada, the biggest competitor to Canadian Tire is an, 
a chain of uh, franchise stores called Home Hardware, which didn't do the auto stuff, but everything else, essentially, they competed on. Uh, house paint, tools, uh, various and sundry supplies. Mm-hmm. No, it's... It's good that they're still holding on to that. Some of the other stores that I used to go to that were, you know, specialty, they had something in their name that made you think that was their business, and it turns out they, they shunned it later on. Like, um, the only the one that comes to mind is Radio Shack, where you used to be able to go in there and buy ICs, buy, you know, just a discreet, you know, if I wanted to make a lumped element I remember. Kind of filter, right, you could go inside, and they had a bunch of drawers, so I'm going to pick out, I want the resistor, I need this, I need a microfarad cap, and... Um, I need these different connectors or headers or whatever. And you could actually buy all this stuff to make your own circuit cards there. And then they turned into selling, uh, cell phones. Yeah. I remember when I was, when I was a teenager in Pickering, going to the Pickering town center and going into Radio Shack and while they had all these like electronics gadgets and shit, and even later on cell phones up front, at the back of the store, you'd have like, you'd have like these spaces that are just like shelves and shelves of components, breadboards, Ooh. you name it, uh, cable, cables by the foot, right? And and yeah, you if you wanted to do your own electronics projects, everything you need was right there in the store, and then that all disappeared, and it was all instead. Oh, we've got, we've got computer, we've got, we've got laptops and video games and yes. uh, utility software and printers, but we don't have, we don't have radio components. We don't have components whatsoever. Yep. You want that stuff? Well, you're just shit out of luck. And it's like, well, that sucks. And then soon after. Uh, Radio Shack up here became renamed as The Source. The Source. By Circuit City. Uh, until Circuit City went out of business, after which point they're just The Source. Wait, cold Acid, when did Circuit City go out of business in Canada? Because it sounds like our timeline's messed up. Because 10 years ago, Radio Shack was around here. Uh, not here, but they were around. Uh, you know, I had gone to Radio Shack and bought... Like, I remember designing a low-pass filter for some audio project I was working on. I went to Radio Shack. I talked to the guy in there, and he knew about circuit design. And he said, oh, yeah, that's good. Here's all your parts. Here's what you're going to need. You're going to want that thing, right? And Radio Shack was around, but Circuit City in the U.S. closed. I must have, feels like it must have been five or ten years before that. God, um, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, like, up to... Uh, Early 2010s. Whoa! You still at Circuit City? Okay, so I'm looking. I'm looking at. I just popped open the Wikipedia article for the source. So originally, 1986 to 2004, it was Radio Shack Canada. Okay. Owned by Intertan, you know, Tandy. the Tandy yep. company, <laughs> the old leather company. Uh, <laughs> 2004 to 2009, it was the source by Circuit City. And then apparently, wow. Circuit City sold the uh, sold the chain to Bell Canada, and Bell has been their owner since, and it's just been the source. No, you had you had Circuit City years after they all closed out here, it closed in the U.S. That is funny. 
there was always kind of a joke, you know, because Best Buy moved in and Circuit City was they all closed. Uh, it was a it was a yeah. Killing. It looks like they looks like the stores closed uh, at around the same time that Bell bought the Source. But they still had a uh, web retail <laughs> presence until 2012. All right. No Beret says, when are we getting to fries? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, we We've never to... had fries up here as far as I know. What about KB Toys? Remember when Mitt Romney killed KB Toys? Put the dagger through I don't through remember their heart? KB Toys in Canada either. Ah, that was terrible. A sad day for children when Mitt Romney destroyed the toy company for profit. Ah, but I digress. Uh, Burbank Fries was cool. Billy Bone says, I bought car audio equipment and a hard drive and maybe a video card from Fries. Maybe. We used to have, we used to have this chain up here, CompuCenter. CompuCenter? We had CompUSA. Yeah. Is, do you think that's the same kind of thing? I don't think it was, but CompuCenter was like this, uh, this chain of computer stores. And as a kid, I remember going in and they'd have like video game displays set up and you could even play some of the games on the computers or consoles they had there right i mean like they expect it they didn't expect you to just like hang around there playing the games all day it was very much <laughs> for demo purposes and they frowned upon parents who would leave their kids at the store while doing their other shopping oh man but me and my brother we were the sort who would you know just be like Forget you, we're doing our own thing, and, like, run around the mall going where we wanted Cotton. as, like, as preteens. Cotton Gin is posting these, like, post-Circuit post City photos of, you know, abandoned Circuit City stores with, uh, you can't really make out the, uh, the, what the store is unless you know what you're looking at. It has that, they always had that kind of, um, round rectangle pylon in the front. I don't know what to call it, you know, the, the, uh, the facade for the front of the store always had a unique look and it looked kind of like a uh, a plug plugged into a socket which i think is what they were going for but for for target i remember they had these they had these poles with these like red poles with a red ball on top of them <laughs> and in like places places that used to have a target in them and are still like empty today Continue to have those out front. Oh, right. Like Target. where the Target used to be in Bowmanville. Target pulled out of Canada. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. There's still, believe me, there's still Targets around here. I've been to, I went to a Target late last year. I haven't been back since. Yeah, they were, they were, yeah, bollards. The, they're red, the red bollards. Well, this has been your, uh, your shopping nostalgia, your chain store nostalgia. Um, Cotton Gin also mentioned Electronics Boutique, and we oh, did have EB. those here, and now they're all EB Games. I remember EB and EB Games. There was one in a mall, and uh, I, bought a, I bought a book from EB Games once, and it was... God, wow, I still have this fucking thing somewhere. It was a translation guide for Pokemon Gold and Silver. Because Pokemon Gold and Silver was only available in Japanese at the time. So you could buy the import cart, it, and it was that big of a deal. Like, mainstream people were importing the Japanese version of Pokemon and then trying to figure out how the fuck to play it uh, because there was no, you know, English translation yet. And, it you know, it worked in your Game Boy, so you could just buy it and pop it in. Yeah. Um, but they had a guide which 
went through all the different Pokemon uh, that were in there, the stats. It had a walkthrough. It had a translation for all the names. It had a, it had a section in the back with flashcards that you could tear out and um, then teach yourself the menu options like save and items and yes and no and all this kind of shit. It was a great like little artifact. You'd never see anything like this today. Um, the best part about it, though, was that the Pokemon names were not the official Pokemon names. <laughs> they were <laughs> all uh, they were all either literal translations or just shit the guys made up. So they had there was one which was like a cow with like big udders, and they in the book that I had it was called Milk Tank was the name of this Pokemon, and I don't know what the fuck the real name is, but I know it ain't Milk Tank. <laughs> And uh, it, it was just a fucking great time. Um, hell, I think one was like the Hellhound or the Damned Hound or something like that. And they gave it, you know, a PG name or a G-rated name in the uh, the Pokemon. So there is some cool stuff in there. It's a little... Uh, now, go on, going tank. back... Yeah, they, yeah. they dropped the K. Yeah, it was Milk Tank. Oh, wow, look at those nipples. <laughs> but going, they, going back to... Uh, if we can go back to Electronics Boutique... Uh, one thing that one thing that really bothered me was before they were bought by GameStop, they actually had a decent selection of PC games, and then after the game after the GameStop purchase, uh, PC games went from being like an entire like wall unit of shelves to like one of those like little wire shelf units until and then like to nothing as even games started getting replaced with uh, with those stupid square-headed things and all sorts of toys. Oh, I hate... Yeah, I know what you mean. Those are the most low-effort consumerist bullshit. I don't know why Darren O'Neill loves them. <laughs> Calling him out, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of... Yeah, it, Darren, Darren O'Neill's greatest shame as seen by us... What the fuck are those things amiibos. called again, they're anyway? Like, they're called Amiibos. No, not the Amiibos. Amiibos were actually something neat. With Tamagotchis? Because those, like... No, because the Amiibos, weren't those those things <laughs> that, like, you could hook up to your Nintendo console, and then, like, it would pick up, like, you via, like, uh, NFC, like, and unlock stuff in the games? Funko Pops! Funko yeah! Funko Pops, that was those it. Fucking Funko Pops. Funko Pops. Fuck those Fucking disgusting. I hate those things. Fuck those square-headed motherfuckers. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> the uh Yeah, I'm much better. Uh, I I prefer Sky Warriors <laughs> or whatever the other one fucking what's called. Um I meant Sky Warriors. That was a spin-off of uh oh, which was it? Of Cuz that was a spin-off of something which was a spin-off of something. What well, that was the one where you had the little models and you put them on like a uh, an NFC platform and it would uh, you then you get the character in the game or am I thinking it was ah, Spyro? Booberry Booberry points it out. Spyro. Spyro the dragon. Yeah. Oh shit. That's cool. Funko Pops. There, there you go. I don't know what he sees of these things. Well, Darren O'Neill uh, was doing Grumpy Old Ben's earlier today. By the way. It was hard to find. I, I had to tune in randomly throughout the day. Um, I checked, you know, every couple hours, I just opened the No Agenda stream listening for Darren O'Neill or Ryan Bemrose, and I could, I just didn't find them most of the time. Um, it was, especially since they changed their time, apparently, that's what they said yesterday, the, uh, last week. And, uh, and I said, well, I don't know, it could be any time. 
But uh, I did eventually catch their show for uh, maybe an hour and a half or something like that. I didn't catch the whole thing. And uh, it was all Ryan talking about his um, experience voting in Washington State, which was actually a really fun story with the candidate who said he was going to make C-SPAN interesting. You know that's a veiled threat, right? You can't say that. You got to say in Minecraft after you say that. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, they otherwise they show up at your door. Um, they had the guy, the Bitcoin candidate. That guy was cool. Um, there was one other. There's a story there, which I'm disappointed they didn't go into. And I, I'm actually going to fault Darren for not, not nailing Ryan on telling this fucking story. But he said something along the lines of, there's a candidate who's running on the platform of bringing the orca from Florida back to Washington. And I want to know what the fuck he's talking about. I want to know this story. Does Florida have a Washington orca held hostage? Is this like a SeaWorld crime? We need to know. This is fucking stupid. All right. Well, it's like it's like that. Uh, it's like that WNBA player in Russia, <laughs> but an orca instead. Wrongfully detained uh, orca. Detained by Florida. Man. Yeah, wrong, wrongfully detained orcas. So I have a question for you, Cold Acid. If the Everglades are full of monkeys, are there monkeypox there? I would assume so. I don't think there's a... Okay, well, let's find out. Maybe there's a big monkeypox outbreak from all the monkeys in the Everglades. Uh, if you want to find out about uh, Ryan's uh, voting preferences, you can go listen to episode 189 of Grumpy Old Ben's Black Helicopters is the name of that episode. And, uh, and uh, I, there might be some tech news at the beginning or end. I'm not sure. I didn't hear any on the show. Um, huh. Behind the Schemes had episode 110, That Man Is Me, with Boobery and Lavash. Uh, Hog Story, of course, had a Hog Story number 309, Inner Olivia, was the name of that one. Um, that's, uh, they record every Monday now, just Mondays, uh, with John Fletcher and Carolyn Blaney. And they also are doing a show on Sunday, uh, right after No Agenda. They're doing a five-minute limit call-in show, so you can call in. Uh, stay tuned after No Agenda and call in. And there's something uh, kind of special about that one because – Yeah, I hear that you're a guest on it. I hear that I'm a guest on it too. So I'll be there taking calls and uh, trying to insult uh, everyone who calls in so you can uh, you can uh, look forward to that, I guess. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be home in time for that. Oh yeah, uh, it's, you should you should call into Five Minute Limit and just just ask for me to give it to you. You know, just call in as an able curb, give it to me, and then I'll really give it to you. Okay, that's the that's the strategy. Give it to me, give it to me, baby. Uh huh, uh huh. We also had Bowl After Bowl episode one eighty, <laughs> medium time color, uh, which was recorded just just last night with Spencer and DeLorean, Dame DeLorean, Sir Spencer and Dame DeLorean. Um. Covering all kinds of things that they cover the 33s right at the top, and uh, they do cover Gritney. That's the primary source of cover coverage for the uh, the WNBA uh, wrongfully detained wrongfully uh, detained WNBA player and uh, Brittany Grinds. It took me a second to remember her name. The uh, show's good. People should listen to it, and uh, they they do a better coverage than No Agenda. I'll say that very thorough. And you can tell DeLorean is a uh, seasoned journalist. Uh, just just her mannerisms are good on there. She has good instincts. And uh, same with Sir, Sir Spencer. It's always an entertaining show. They talk about chickens. It's excellent. Go listen to it. Yeah. 
Um, that was my rundown. I was going to mention one more time. I think I talked about the Smuggler's Log on here before. Um, yeah, you did. It's it's a show that I'm, I really am glad exists. There's not enough fiction, especially it's a serialized science fiction show using podcasting 2.0 features. They have uh, four episodes out now. <laughs> it's they, There's a part of it which is a little bit too... Um, I don't know, obviously political, and I think that detracts from it, but, you know, that's my opinion. I'm still listening to it. Uh, still a supporter. I still promote it, but... The, yeah, uh, still, it's a bit, it's about high time that we got some, uh, we got some good podcasting 2.0 radio serials. Yeah, uh, that is what we need to have. Radio serials that can generate sats, you know, that you can listen to and uh, boost and all, and all that stuff, and we'll see if maybe the writers can get paid for what's in there. Once in the, one time in the world, maybe once in the world, the writers will make what they deserve if they can uh, if they can use podcasting 2.0. And that's uh, the podcast wrap up that I have today. Um, we had some nice. Let me let me go into some clips here. I want to talk about the Batmobile raid. Yeah, I need to hear about this. All right. Well, I've got a uh, a clip that's going to tell us just the overview of what's going on with this Batmobile raid. Um, we'll play this and then I'll explain a little bit more about what's going on. It's quite a story here. It turns out one of the sheriff's friends ordered a Batmobile and wasn't happy with how long it was taking to deliver. The I-Team's Dan Noyce is here with a story that you'll see only on 7. Well, Dan, your public money paid for the trip last week by the sheriff's investigators. Four round-trip plane tickets, three nights of hotels, meals, rental cars, and a lot of overtime. All because of a friend of the sheriff can't wait for his Batmobile. Yep, this is... A California sheriff's office decided to fly out four different people for three days, apparently, to do a raid on a Batmobile manufacturing center. Uh, it might be the best thing to call it. It's the only place you can buy an official Batmobile. So it's a uh, an auto shop that produces Batmobiles that are actually licensed by DC. So they're the... Uh, the place to go if you want to bu- if you're rich and want to waste a lot of money by buying a actual Batmobile, and it has things like it has a flamethrower in the back so you can get like the fire shot out of the out of the butt of the of the car, and some other cool features. Um, so it's uh, obviously based on based on what I'm seeing in the thumbnail for the video, uh, the campy '60s show yeah, Batmobile. It's it's the Adam West uh, Batman Batmobile. <laughs> The, now my 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 biggest question about all of this is how the fuck is this legal? What what jurisdiction does a county sheriff from California have anywhere in Indiana or really anywhere outside his fucking county? So let's listen to what the judge had to say on that. Here's a here's a clip from that. The San Mateo County District Attorney declined to bring criminal charges at this time, according to this letter to the Batmobile Builder. Ed Ignacio also filed a lawsuit in San Mateo County Superior Court alleging breach of contract and fraud. But this past March, a judge dismissed the case, saying Indiana is the proper venue. Yeah, so the answer is nobody, okay? And there's also a 
lawyer in the report. I didn't get a clip from him. They they bring in a guy to kind of consult and who kind of knows his way around the law and says, in the court system, and he says, this is absurd. This is a luxury item, that, and it's a dispute about, about the delivery time of a luxury item. There is no way that this should ever be in a criminal court or any of these courts. It should be in a civil you can you can file a claim in, in court if you really want to and say hey you were uh, you were coming in and uh, uh, you told me that it would be here in this amount of time and it wasn't there and I think I deserve some money for it. okay you can make that argument but this isn't the venue this isn't the right way to do it these guys are just completely off so here's the story let me give you a little bit of a background there's this guy and he wanted to buy a Batmobile and so he went to the Batmobile vendor and uh, and started paying he he signed up for it and he made some payments towards it and he was number one in the queue he was the guy the Batmo first Batmobile was going to be his and then he stopped paying and I don't think it's disputed that he stopped paying he missed some installments on this and the the well, uh, sounds like he's in breach of contract the, then. the guy said not well, the not the shop he said well you know we're gonna you're not going to be in the front of the line. You know, you're not paying me to work on it. So I'm going to shuffle you back to the other line. There's other people paying and waiting and they're, they're leapfrogging you because you couldn't keep up with it. They didn't like dismantle his Batmobile. It was still there. They're still working on it. They was just, they said, you know, you got to pay us if you want us to do this. You know, we're not doing any more work. So the, the guy who is, uh, this, this rich guy who's obviously he's, uh, he's well off if he's buying a goddamn Batmobile. The, he he starts trying to sue in different courts and all the courts decline as you just heard the judges dismiss charges the judges the um um district attorneys i, th I can't remember what the the name the prosecutors declined to even send charges because they said this is bullshit this is some dispute you have it's not with us it's between you guys go find it civil court case if you really want to deal with it the um this guy couldn't give it up and so he called his friend i guess he's very well connected and he got with the sheriff a sheriff in california who's a friend of his and got him to i guess sweet talked him into it i don't know what the deal was got him to fly out on california tech taxpayers dime a bunch of people to go over and raid the batmobile shop and without you know they uh they just went in and they said oh well we have a warrant and we're just gonna uh we're just going to um Go in there, and they didn't even take the Batmobile. They went in there, and they, like, took one paper from the guy. Uh, they seized a file folder. It's fucking stupid. The... Here's yeah, a little... sounds real retarded. So, the, the local news story is uh, reporting on this, and they're trying to get a comment from the sheriff, and here's... Here's their reporting on what the sheriff, how he, how he responded to their request for comment. After the case went nowhere with the first criminal. Oh, first, you're about to hear this woman who is like this soulless like administrator at the California Sheriff's Office. She doesn't know anything. She won't say anything. And she looks like kind of a cunt. Case, the civil case. Is the sheriff stepping in for a friend here? I can't speak to that. I have no knowledge about what relationship, if any, the sheriff has with the victim. I wanted yeah, to talk you fucking cunt. Talk to Sheriff Bolanos about Sam Edignostio and about the use of public funds. Four round-trip airline tickets, hotels for three nights, meals, overtime. He didn't return my repeated calls and texts to his personal cell phone. His office confirmed he's away on a month of vacation. Uh -huh. He leaves office in January. Uh-huh, sure, vacation. Yeah. 
you're about to miss the uh, the the kicker here. Listen to this. He's office in January after losing the election. The un- the sheriff lost the election. He's out of office. He and he's on vacation for the for uh, a month, uh, hanging out in Greece, <laughs> not responding to anything, hoping it cools down. It's fucking stupid. He's already out. You know, he lost the election. People didn't even uh, they didn't vote for him, and he has to step down. So he's just fucking making trouble. The sheriff now in charge, Mark Robbins, and the department spokesman, Lieutenant Eamon Allen, refused my request for an interview, citing the ongoing investigation. Yeah, so it was all. It was all bullshit. There shouldn't have ever been a warrant issued. There shouldn't have been anything, uh, anything other than the possibility of a civil court case, which he would have lost because it sounds like they have documentation that he was behind on his payment and they kicked him back to the back of the line because of it. So it, it's this is the yeah. Batmobile tragedy, I guess. Um, now, as, crooked cops and their crooked friends. Yep. As for the um, as for the owner of the Batmobile garage. There is a little fact about his life, which I thought was interesting, and the reporter thought it was interesting and mentions it on tape. So let's listen to this. Investigating this story, I learned something more about Mark Raycup. He's a minister. Good evening. I watched his church sermon this past Sunday online. It's the only thing that helps me through this, Dan. I should expect trials and tribulations. It's just part of being a Christian. Yep. (laughs) It's, uh, it's, uh... He's a priest, you know, or a minister, I should say. Some people don't like those things being confused. He's a minister and has a congregation and everything. So he's like, he makes Batmobiles and uh, preaches the word of the Lord. And they're going after this guy for doing something that sounds like he was completely justified in doing. It is absolutely insane. So this, uh, the sheriff, uh, I'd say he needs to go. It sounds like he's already done. I don't know why. Maybe the crime here is that. When he got voted out of office, it wasn't immediately uh, an immediate removal. But yeah, sounds like it should have been. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Well, that was my uh, that was my load for today. I don't think I have a. I got some other stuff that's a little. Yeah, you got some other stuff that. Uh, one of these sounds pretty interesting. I don't know if you took clips from the related video or not, but I saw this. I saw this in your notes about this game engine that shut down and the and the eula with it demands that everybody who's made anything with it delete the games that they've made along with everything else that that has to do with said engine yep so this is the machinery game engine yep they it's a big advertisement to open source game engines um the machinery game engine If I understand it correctly, I've I've done a little, like, the most minimum research you can do on this. Um, I think our machinery is the company and the machinery is the engine. uh, Or I might have that backwards. It's it's all very convoluted. But it's a really low-level piece of technology. It's, like, written in C, just straight C. Um, and it's a framework that you can kind of use uh, as a back-end to build your own game engine on top of. The... the summary you gave is this summary they decided to shut it down and they said well you know according to our uh, agreement if you use this even if you licensed it from us and paid us for it uh you're no longer allowed to use it so why don't you go gtfo and uh by the way uh we expect you to delete your copy of it including even if it's part of a product that you're working on or if already shipped you're supposed to uh 
they expect, you know, no one in their right mind would do this, uh, but they, the expectation that they, that these idiots put out is that, oh, well, uh, you, you have to delete the code too, because your license is now invalid according to us. So this is a, you know, it's, it's always been with these proprietary services and software. They can just go away at any time. You can't do anything about it. And uh, it's happened to me before. I've I used to subscribe to stuff and it would go away, and now it's it's just unsupported. You're out cold if you liked it. If you thought you uh, you owned that piece of music you were listening to, no, you don't. You were renting it. You know, Steam can do yeah, the same I thing. Had a, you know? I had a license to Torque back in the day. Oh, Torque. But you know, with it, with it, like it's like if we stop development or we go out of business. At the very least, you're still able to continue using this engine in your project. You don't have to start all over again from scratch. So you had a license to torque, huh? Yeah, I had a license to torque. <laughs> the worst James Bond movie. Uh. <laughs> you want to do boostograms to close this out? We'll we'll kick the rest of the stuff. Uh, can wait till next week. We already need science topics anyway. We don't. Need I don't more. see any. Oh, you don't see any? Oh, shit. No. No boostergrams during you the show. you see any? No, I don't see nothing. All right. Well, I guess that leaves us with our tail between our legs. Uh, closing the show. Well, unless, unless somebody goes boost right boost. now. Boost. I'm looking at you people in the chat room. Do you want to do one more story? Give them a chance. Yeah, let's do one more story. Well, there's Scan of the Month. Scan of the Month came through, and uh, they've they've had some stuff we haven't looked at yet. So scanofthemonth.com is uh, the CT scanning website where they post some 3D, uh, what they're actually are, are um, 2D images that are, that are rendered from 3D models of objects, everyday objects, and sometimes they're cameras or sometimes they're Game Boys, things like that. And um, they take slices of them so you can see, you because the CT scan sees through them. Um, you can kind of see what's going on inside. It's a very interesting website, um, though it is ultimately an advertisement for another service. Uh, it is a fun kind of uh, thing to scroll through. And so scan of the month this month, well, actually last month, though we didn't cover it yet, did drug delivery devices. And they had like the Pro Air uh, Respi Click, uh, which I think is an oral inhaler. And you can scroll through i don't have much commentary on this other than i like the fact that their ct scans are starting to look more like real ct scans um the first couple ones they did were so dolled up with uh special looking graphics and and editing and shit to make it look super fancy that they didn't look like a real real scanner data but here you can see like some of the errors and side lobes and stuff that you uh you wouldn't normally see uh you know you know what i find interesting What's up? Inside every EpiPen is a smiley face. Oh, yeah. That's, um... W w do you have a screenshot of that? Maybe we should put that in the notes. Yes, it's 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 in the notes. It, I, this is by the plunger you're talking about? I think it's part of the plunger assembly, yeah. Yeah. I, I, know, what you're, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> we should get a picture of that. That's good. But yeah, you know, you, if you ever wanted to see what's inside an EpiPen and see the spring-loaded needle that's going to jab into you and stick you full of epinephrine, uh, <laughs> tell you that shit will wake you up from what I'm told, the um, scanofthemonth.com will give it to you. Give it to you, give it to you, give it to you. Yeah. And and speaking of, I think we've delayed long enough that someone has given yeah, it to I us. Yeah, I heard a pew. Yeah. Yes. 
Ah, here we go. 200 sats from Carolyn Blaney. And she says, remember Future Shop? How could I forget? Future Shop? Yeah, I remember Future Shop. We are the Future Shop. I'd rather shop. not. I think Best Buy actually provides better service. But they're both filled with, like, pimply kids who know nothing. <laughs> pimply kids. Geek Squad, man. You gotta get the Geek Squad service. I knew a guy uh, who was on Geek Squad. It was always funny to me that he was a Geek Squad. Where they had, uh, you know, the cars around here. You'd see the Geek Squad mobiles where they're going yeah, out to I've service calls. Yeah, I've seen the Geek Squad mobiles. Yeah, it's lame. All it's right. It's super lame. Well, I think that's enough stuff for us today. I think it's time to close this shit out. It's already 8.20. We went long today. Yeah, we went long. Yep. Oh, boy. So we had 200 oh, Apparently sacks. we got another one, but it's we- it's a little too late. Cotton All right. Gin. Little too late. It'll be on next show. All right, until next show, I've been Abel Kirby. I've been Cold Acid. Stay fruity, boys. Adios. Would you lay down, honey, and die? Oh, I had a good woman. Would she lay down and die? Don't you know everybody tell me she wasn't shy?